welcome to another episode of Sleep Whispers. I'm Harris, and this is my curious little podcast of whispered ramblings and whispered readings, which I hope will help you to relax and fall asleep. This is episode number 187, and specifically, it's a story time episode featuring The Pumpkin Giant by Mary Wilkins Freeman. If you're a new listener, then welcome to my little world of whispers. Each week, I rotate through one of six types of episodes to calm those overactive squirrels in your brain. These include Whisperpedia episodes, chat episodes, batch episodes, fade-out episodes, trivia time episodes, and tonight you'll hear a story time episode which means I'll be reading a curious tale to you. In addition to this Whisper podcast, I've also created one-hour and eight-hour-long episodes of nature sounds like raindrops, ocean waves, and birds, as well as background noises like ceiling fans, and white noise. So, if you're interested in more Whisper episodes like this one, or my nature sounds, or my background noises, then feel free to click the links in the show notes, or visit my website at sleepwhispers.com. Alright, tonight's story is titled The Pumpkin Giant, and it was written by Mary Wilkins Freeman. Now, normally, I've been doing stories by Hans Christian Andersen, but one of you made a great suggestion that I do a spooky story. Because right now it is October, and Halloween and other ghoulish celebrations occur about this time of the year. I looked through stories by Hans Christian Andersen, and none of them seemed good as a spooky Halloween story. So I went hunting, and I found this story called The Pumpkin Giant. And this seemed pretty suitable for this type of year, because it is a slightly scary story, and it has pumpkins, which 
Most of the stories I read are suitable for children, but this one you may want to screen first if you have children who may listen to this episode. The Pumpkin Giant is an evil being in this story, and it does terrorize and harm people. So there's some aspects of that that may be a little too scary for some children. Now, on the flip side, this story is very tongue-in-cheek, silly moments, and silly dialogue. Overall, I would not say that this is a horror story at all. I would say it is maybe a little bit spooky, but overall, I think you'll find it's really just a silly story. The basic plot is that the pumpkin giant is terrorizing a town, but some curious heroes slay the beast, and make some delightful discoveries. Oh, and of course, there's a castle, a king, and a princess. Yeah, those always just seem to be part of these stories. I won't reveal the ending of the story, and perhaps you'll fall asleep and never find out. Before I start the story, let me tell you about Etitude, a sponsor for this episode. Etitude makes bamboo sheets, and they sent me some to try. And if you've never felt bamboo sheets before, which was my experience, I would describe them as the perfect marriage between hotel quality cotton sheets and super smooth silk sheets. It it was a new and wonderful sleeping experience for me, and I would definitely recommend that you try them. They have a 30-day risk-free trial. So, if you're not entirely satisfied, you can just return your sheets for a full refund. And they even cover shipping on the returns. These Etitude Bamboo Sheets as soft as silk, breathable as linen, but the good thing is it's they're at the price of cotton, and right now you will get 20% off their sheet set and free shipping. Just text SLEEP 
6-4-0-0-0. That's S L E E P to the number six four zero zero zero. Message in. The Pumpkin Giant by Mary Wilkins Freeman. A very long time ago, there were no pumpkins. People had never eaten a pumpkin pie or even eaten stewed pumpkin. And that was the time when the Pumpkin Giant flourished. There have been a great many giants flourished since the world began, and although a select few of them have been good giants, the majority of them have been so bad that their crimes, even more than their size, have gone to make them notorious. But the pumpkin giant was an uncommonly bad one, and his general appearance and his behavior were such as to make one shudder to an extent that you would hardly believe possible. The convulsive shivering caused by the mere mention of his name, and in some cases where the people were unusually sensitive, by the mere thought of him caused people to experience what was called the giant shakes the pumpkin giant was very tall. He probably would have overtopped most of the giants you've ever heard of. I don't suppose the giant who lived on the beanstalk whom Jack visited was anything to compare with him, nor that it would have been a possible thing for the pumpkin giant had he received an invitation to spend an afternoon with the beanstalk giant to accept. On account of his inability to enter the beanstalk giant's door, no matter how much he stooped. The pumpkin giant had a very large yellow head, which was also smooth and shiny. His eyes were big and round, and glowed like coals of fire, and you would have almost thought that his head was lit up inside with candles. Indeed, there was a rumor that effect amongst the common people, but that was all nonsense, of course. No one of the more enlightened class credited it for an instant. His mouth, which stretched half around his head, was furnished with rows of pointed teeth, and he was never known to hold it in any other way than wide open. The pumpkin giant lived in a castle 
because it's not fashionable for a giant to live in any other kind of a dwelling. Nothing would be more tame and uninteresting than a giant in a two-story white house with green blinds and a picket fence, or even a brownstone front, if he could get into either of them, which he could not. The giant's castle was situated on a mountain, as it ought to have been. There was also the usual courtyard before it, and the customary moat, which it was full of bones. All I have to say about these bones is they were not mutton bones. A great many details of this story must be left to your imagination. They're just too harrowing to relate. Although I will disclose the pumpkin giant had an appetite for naughty little boys and girls. But on the other hand, good little boys and girls never had anything to worry about. The fear and horror of this giant extended over the whole country. Even the king on his throne was so afflicted with the giant shakes that he had been obliged to have the throne propped for fear it should topple over in some unusually violent fit. There was good reason why the king shook. His only daughter, the Princess Diante, was probably the naughtiest princess in the whole world at that date. The princess was never allowed to leave the palace without a bodyguard of fifty knights. The very flower of the king's troops with lances and rest. But in spite of all of this precaution, the king still shook. Meanwhile, amongst the ordinary people who could not procure an escort of fifty armed knights for the naughty ones among their children, the ravages of the pumpkin giant were frightful. It was apprehended at one time that there would be very few or no naughty little girls and boys at all left in the kingdom. And what made matters worse, at that time, the giant commenced taking a tonic to increase his appetite. Finally, the king, in desperation, issued a proclamation that he would knight anyone, be he or she, noble or common, who should cut off the head of the pumpkin giant. This was the king's usual method of rewarding any noble deed in his kingdom. It was a cheap method, and besides, everybody liked to be a knight. When the king issued his proclamation, every person in the kingdom who was not already a knight 
straightway tried to contrive ways and means to kill the pumpkin giant. But there was one obstacle which seemed insurmountable. They were all afraid. All of them had the giant shakes so badly that they could not possibly have held a knife steady enough to cut off the giant's head, even if they had dared to go near enough for that purpose. There was one man who lived not far from the terrible giant's castle, a poor man, his only worldly wealth consisting in a large potato field and a cottage in front of it. He had a boy of twelve, an only son, who rivaled the Princess Diante in point of naughtiness. He was unable to have a bodyguard for his son, so the amount of terror which the inhabitants of that humble cottage suffered day and night was heart-wrenching. The poor mother had been unable to leave her bed for two years on account of the giant shakes. The naughty boy's name was Malty. His father's name was Patroclus, and his mother's name was Daphne. One morning, Patroclus and his little Malty were out in the field digging potatoes for new potatoes just in the market. The early rose potato had not been discovered in those days, but there was another potato, perhaps equally good, which attained to a similar degree of celebrity. It was called the young patak, and reached a very large size indeed, much larger than the early rose potato does in our time. Well, Patroclus and Malty had just dug perhaps a bushel of young patag potatoes. It was slow work with them, for Patroclus had the giant shakes badly that morning. And, of course, Malty, being naughty, was not always very helpful. All at once, the earth trembled violently. Patroclus and Malty looked up and saw the pumpkin giant coming with his mouth wide open. Get behind me, oh my darling son, cried Patroclus. Patroclus was not ordinarily a brave man, but he was brave in an emergency. The pumpkin giant strode along faster and faster, opening his mouth wider and wider until they could hear it crack at the corners. Then Patroclus picked up an enormous young patag potato and threw it plump into the pumpkin giant's mouth. The giant choked gasped and choked and gasped and finally 
giant went through this choking process. Patroclus and Moti had run to the house and locked themselves in. Then they looked out the window, and when they saw the giant tumble down and lie quite still, they knew he must be dead. Daphne was immediately cured of the giant shakes and got out of bed for the first time in two years. Patroclus sharpened the carving knife on the kitchen stove and they all went out into the potato field. They cautiously approached the still giant for fear he might be faking it and suddenly spring up at them. But no, he didn't move at all. He was quite dead. So Patroclus gave the head of the giant to his son Malti to play with, of course. The king was notified of the death of the pumpkin giant and greatly rejoiced. His giant shake ceased. The props were removed from the throne and the princess Dianti was allowed to go out without her bodyguard of fifty knights. This was much to her delight, for she found fifty knights a great hindrance to the enjoyment of her daily outings. The king, though his gratitude for the noble deed knew no bounds, did not give the promised reward of night to Patroclus. Patroclus felt rather hurt about it, and Daphne would have liked to be a lady. But little Malty, he didn't care at all, because he had the giant's head to play with, and that was reward enough for him. There was not a boy in the neighborhood but envied him and his possession of such a unique plaything. Malti played so much with the giant's head that finally late in the fall it got broken and scattered all over the field. Next spring, all over Patroclus's potato field grew running vines, and in the fall they grew giant's heads. There they were, all over the field, hundreds of giant's heads growing out of the ground. Then there was consternation indeed. The natural conclusion to be arrived at when the people saw the yellow giant's heads making their appearance above the ground was that the rest of the giants were coming. There was one pumpkin giant before, they said. Now there will be a whole army of them. If one pumpkin giant give us the shake so badly, what will a whole army of them do? But when some time had elapsed, and nothing more of the giants appeared above the surface of the potato field, and the heads had not yet displayed any sign of opening their mouths, 
the people begin to feel a little more at ease. After a while, the general excitement subsided somewhat, although the king had ordered a bodyguard again for his princess Diante. Now Malti had been born with a propensity for putting everything into his mouth and tasting it. It's just a strange thing that some naughty boys do. Malti had become acquainted with the peculiar flavor of almost everything in his immediate vicinity, except the giant's heads. And, naturally enough, he cast longing eyes at them. Night and day, he wondered what a giant's head could taste like, until finally one day, when Patroclus was away, he stole out into the potato field, cut a little bit out of one of the giant's heads, and munched on it. It tasted very sweet and nice. He liked it so much that he cut off another piece and ate that also, then another and another, until he had eaten two-thirds of a giant's head. Then he thought it was about time for him to go in and tell his mother, expecting he might feel ill soon and need some kind of antidote. Mother, he said, walking slowly into the cottage, I have just eaten two-thirds of a giant's head, and I guess you better give me some kind of antidote. Oh, my naughty son, cried Daphne. How could you? She looked into her book of antidotes, but could not find an antidote for a giant's head. Oh, Malty, my dear naughty son, groaned Daphne. There is no antidote. What shall we do? Then she sat down and wept, and Malty wept too, as loud as he possibly could, because they didn't expect him to survive after eating a giant's head. When Patroclus came home, they told him, so he also sat down and cried with them. All day they sat weeping and watching Malti, expecting every moment to see him pass on. But he didn't. On the contrary, he had never felt so well in his life. Finally at sunset, Malti looked up and laughed. I'm not going to die, he said. I've never felt so well. You'd better stop crying. I'm going to go out and get me some more of that giant's head. I'm hungry. Don't, don't, cried his father and mother. But he went, because he was a naughty boy who often ignored his parents. He came back with a whole 
giant's head in his arms. See here, father and mother, he cried. We'll all eat some of this. Not only is it not poison, but it tastes a lot better than potatoes. Patroclus and Daphne hesitated, but they were hungry since the crop of giant's heads had sprung up in their field instead of potatoes. They had been hungry most of the time, so they tasted it. Well, it is good, said Daphne, but I think it would be better cooked. So she put some in a kettle of water over the fire and let it boil a while. Then she dished it up, and they all ate it. Daphne was inventive, and something of a genius. And the next day, she concocted another dish out of the giant's heads. She boiled them, and sifted them, and mixed them with eggs, and sugar, and milk, and spice. Then she lined some plates with puff paste, filled them with the mixture, and set them in the oven to bake. The result was unparalleled. Nothing half so exquisite had ever been tasted. They gathered all the giant's heads and stored them in the cellar so Daphne could bake pies of them every day. One morning, the king had been out hunting and happened to ride by the cottage of Patroclus, followed by a train of his knights. Daphne was baking pies as usual, and the kitchen door and window were both open, for the room was so warm. So the delicious odor of the pies perfumed the whole air about the cottage. What is it? that smells so utterly lovely, exclaimed the king, sniffing in a rapture. He sent his page in to see. The housewife is baking giant's head pies, said the page returning. What? thundered the king. Bring one to me. So the page brought out a pie to him, and all of his knights tasted it sure it wasn't poison. The king had watched them sharply for a few moments to be sure they were not killed. Then he tasted it too. Then he beamed. It was a new sensation, and a new sensation is a great boon to a king. I never tasted anything so altogether superfine so utterly magnificent in my life, cried the king. Stewed peacock's tongues from the Baltic are not to be compared with it. Call out whoever cooked this immediately. So Daphne came out trembling, and Patroclus, and Malty also. What a charming lad, exclaimed the king as his glance fell upon Malty. Now tell me about these wonderful 
buys, and I will reward you as becomes a monarch. Then Patroclus fell on his knees and related the whole history of the giant's head buys from the beginning. The king actually blushed, and I forgot to knight you, oh, noble and brave man, and to make a lady of your admirable wife. Then the king leaned gracefully down from his saddle and struck Patroclus with his jeweled sword and knighted him on the spot. The whole family then went on to live at the royal palace. The roses in the royal gardens were uprooted and giant's heads, or bumpkins as they came to be called, were grown instead. And all the royal parks also were turned into pumpkin fields. Although it was Malty's naughty nature that resulted in the great discovery of delicious pumpkins, he did understand that it was time to change, and he started behaving more responsibly as he got older. And that is the story of a little naughty guy who gave the world the delightful pumpkin pie. This is the end of this story time episode. I hope you are deeply relaxed or even better, deeply asleep.